Hey, what's up, everyone? Uh, thanks so much for listening today. Uh, you probably know this if you listen to podcasts, but your willingness to rate and review what you've just heard is a huge blessing to our ministry. Uh, really, without that, it's almost impossible for people to find us and be blessed by us. So would you take just a second to rate and review this podcast? Thank you so much. Everyone is nice to their people. Pagans, tax collectors, people that you consider moral monsters send memes to each other. It doesn't make them good people. What makes us good is not loving our own, according to Jesus. To be like Christ or Christ-like means to cross the line and love the other. Who are the people that as soon as you hear their name or they walk into the room, like something immediately happens in your heart, that the blood pressure spikes, things get a little bit tense, the tone of your voice changes. If I gave you a moment, could you think of, of those people? Now, those people might be a whole group of people, an entire demographic. Maybe you're passionate about your kind of right-wing Republican political views and, you know, whenever you see someone who's very liberal and progressive and talking about justice, like, like before they even speak, you get a little bit nervous or maybe it's just the opposite. You're on the progressive side of the political spectrum whenever someone waves the, the Donald Trump flag and posts about Republican values, you, you just feel it. It's, it's tense. It's hard to be patient. It's hard to be kind. Maybe it's a religious thing. Uh, when you meet people who don't care about church, they don't care about Jesus, they don't believe in anything, they're proud of it, they think church is bad, religion is toxic, it leads to oppression and injustice. Maybe when you're in the presence of those people, it's tough to, to relax. Maybe when you see the queer questioning their gender, you know, person who's loud and proud and out and posting about it every single day, it, it happens, or maybe when you see uh, a guy like me, straight, cisgender, white, middle class, religious. Or maybe those people for you are individual people. Uh, can you think of a, a girl at your school that when you see her in the hallway, like something happens in your heart? Or maybe a member of your family that you just you don't like to be in the same room as because things get heated really, really quickly. Is there that guy from work, right, that you stops by your door and you're suddenly very busy and you can't be interrupted when if someone else stopped by your door, you'd close your laptop and give them your full attention? You see, we've been learning in the Bible that love is both tough and tender, that love is sometimes patient and kind and compassionate, and, and sometimes it's strong and unyielding, and it protects what's good and right. It, it calls out, it demands repentance. Love does both of those things, and I think that's actually the logical problem. Because when you think about those people, there's probably something in their life that needs to be changed, that should be called out, that God would want to be corrected. And so when you're tough with them, it's, it's not necessarily biblically wrong. The problem, I would suggest, is when you are only tough with them, 
and only tender with your people. Friends, today I want to tell you why that is such a, a dangerous thing for us. If you and I reserve our compassion, our tenderness, our kindness, our fully biblical love for our people, and those people do the same thing towards us, like our, our culture, our world, our families, our church will, will be ripped apart at the seams. Even worse, we'll think we're loving people because we give to some and, and we helped that one friend move and we gave that one gift to that person in need at church and we were so patient and so kind and so generous with our people. And when we live with an us-them mentality, our people, those people, tender here and, and tough there, I think what happens is what we've seen happen too often recently. It's what we see in this country. It's what we see on our streets. It's what we see in the comment section that real Christian love goes out the window and what it's replaced with is an incredibly inferior substitute. And that's why today Jesus wants to talk to you about those people. You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus knew all about my people and those people. There were Jews, there were Gentiles, there were Pharisees, there were Sadducees, there were good church-going folks, and then there were sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes. People drew hard lines, and they picked and chose who they would love. And into that culture, Jesus spoke words that blew up the whole system. Um, they were so shocking, people didn't know what to do with them. But it wasn't just the way that Jesus spoke. It was the thing that he would later go on to do that would give the Christian church and Christian people like me and many of you the chance to be bright lights in a very dark world. So today, I'm going to open the Bible to Matthew chapter 5 and see what Jesus said about you and me and those people that we find tough to love. Here's what he said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. <laughs> Apparently, that's what people said in the first century. Well, sure, I love my neighbor, my Jewish neighbor. He believes what I believe. He behaves how I behave. The yard sign in his Galilean yard is the same as my Galilean yard. Of course, but those people, you've heard it said, hate your enemy. Verse 44, but I tell you, love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus chooses hard, stark, black and white words. Your enemy, the word enemy in Greek means someone who is hostile towards you. Those who persecute, the word persecute means to go after. It's like someone won't leave me alone with their criticism. It's like, relentless. They, they keep coming. I, and I want to say to Jesus, Jesus, I don't really like the guy that forwards me too many emails. You want me to love and pray for those people? In a similar teaching in Luke chapter 6, Jesus said, oh yeah, and not just that, be kind to them, lend to them without expecting anything in return. Be merciful to them, serve them, 
do good to them. And I want to ask Jesus, uh, why? (laughs) And this would be his answer. Verse 45, so that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. I actually love Jesus' uh, uh, analogy here. Um, any of you, by chance, you don't have to be embarrassed to answer this question. Any of you have your phones with you and powered on right now? Yeah, everyone take your phones out real fast. All right, we've got some phones. Can you open your phone as fast as you can to the weather app? Go ahead, don't check Facebook or Instagram. Okay, just the weather app. All right, once you got it, hold up your phone if you got the weather app open. I see a bunch of them. Um, anyone here who's like an official member of our church, can you tell me what the temperature is Right now, if you're an official member of our church in Appleton, Wisconsin, 68, 67 degrees. Okay, if you're, a, if you're one of our guests here today, you're not an official member of the Corps, um, could you please tell me what the temperature is in Appleton, Wisconsin? 67, 68 degrees. Um, if you are in your teens or your 20s, don't have any gray hairs on your head just yet, um, could you tell me what the temperature is in Appleton, Wisconsin? 60, 68, interesting. Um, if you're a... If you're a veteran member of our congregation, <laughs> if you got a few grays up top like I do, can you tell me what the temperature is? Yeah, you get the point too. And I want to ask you to shout this out, but if you weren't into church, if you believe the Bible is a man-made book, if you're an atheist who denies the existence of God, can, can you guess what the temperature would be? 68. And that's Jesus' point. If you want to be a small glimpse of your father who is in heaven, the God who causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, if you struggle to love that person or be tender with those people, according to Jesus, you should probably check your weather app. Look what he says next in verses 46 and 47. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Everyone is nice to their people. Pagans, tax collectors, people that you consider moral monsters send memes to each other. It doesn't make them good people. What makes us good is not loving our own, according to Jesus. To be like God, to be godly, to be like Christ or Christ-like means to cross the line and love the other. This is the high, holy, challenging, almost impossible calling that God has given to his children, which is why Jesus summarizes it like this in verse 48. He says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Your father in heaven just loves people, all all kinds of people. Your people and those people. If you want to be like him, a chip off the old block of your holy father in heaven, then love them too. If I was going to summarize all of Jesus' teaching, you want to take notes in your program, here's how I'd put it. I, I would say love one 
another. <laughs> Jesus taught us to love one another with the emphasis on other. No, they're not like me. No, I would never do that. I, I don't get why they believe that. But that has nothing to do with the way I treat them. Because Jesus has called me to love just like his father, to love my neighbor, whoever that neighbor is, and however that neighbor lives. Um, my wife, Kim, and I had the chance to do this very thing about a week ago. Uh, I got to speak at this wedding, and it was by far the most diverse gathering of people that I have ever been a part of. The friends and family of the bride and groom came from all different walks of life. I mean, it was noticeable when you walked into the room that people were very, very different. There were the very, very religious, very, very conservative, like work full-time in Christian ministry, very kind of right-wing political tables of people. And there was the very, very not conservative, very, very not religious, <laughs> couldn't stand that side of the political spectrum, tables of people. I, I met the one person who was very conservative who literally whispered to me, I don't normally hang out in places like this. And then I talked to the very kind and hospitable gay man who was there with his husband, who as we were dialoguing, everyone could see that he was wearing high-heeled shoes, a leopard print velour suit, cut from shoulders to belly button, nothing underneath, full makeup, giant eyelashes, all kinds of people. Which meant in that room, my wife and I had an amazing opportunity to be like God. I mean, you've been to a wedding, you know. You can sit at your table with your people. You can hang out in, in your corner or stand at the bar with one friend and nurse a drink all night. Or you can dance with them and with them. You can introduce yourself at this table and that one. You can love and be kind and patient and hospitable with your people and with those people. It was an incredible challenge and an amazing evening. Because being like God, or at least trying your best to, is kind of amazing. Friends, what would it look like if you tried to do the same? We will all fall short in many ways. What would it look like for you to be perfect like your father and to love the other? To be kind to him, to be hospitable to her, to be not just tough with those people who hold that position, but to be tough and tender and perhaps a lot more tender 
What would it look like if, if you and I in our entire church and more Christian churches imitated the kind of love that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 5. You, you and I have heard enough of loving our neighbors and hating our enemies, but I tell you, Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Because this is the kind of love that changes the world. I know that because it already did. I'm going to ask my friends back in the tech booth to help me. Did you know that 2,000 years ago when Jesus walked into this world, it was a very dark place? Like, people back in the day, they didn't love unconditionally. There were strings attached based on what you believed and how you behaved. And the shadows and the gloom of the father of lies started to descend on the good world that God had made. Few people loved most people hated. Until in the little town of Bethlehem, the light of the world was born. And Jesus, by his very nature, had his people. Jewish people. Middle Eastern people. Religious people. But study the life of Jesus and you know that he loved these people and those people. He did miracles for Jewish neighbors and he healed the servants of Roman soldiers. He was tough with the Jewish religious leaders and the Samaritan woman he met at the well. He offered eternal life, forgiveness, and salvation to these people and to those people. And the greatest proof For God so loved the world, the world, that he gave his one and only son. Look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the atoning sacrifice, not only for our sins, but for the sins of the world. For a good man, a righteous man, someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his love for us like this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For you. <laughs> if you know that you are forgiven, saved, loved by God, it's because this kind of love came into your life and came into mine. The fact that we see a loving, compassionate, heavenly father is the proof that God doesn't just love his people. If you were saved and born into sin, it is because God didn't just love, he loved the other. He loved his enemies. He prayed for those who would persecute him. Those who didn't prioritize God in their lives, he decided to prioritize them in his this is the perfect love of our Father. It's why we're forgiven. It's why we're clean. It's why we live without guilt or shame because God does not reserve or restrict his love. He throws open the floodgates of heaven and he loves us all. So brothers and sisters, I wanna, I wanna challenge you today to love the other. Start to pray, if nothing else, for those who persecute you. God, soften my heart. 
and change theirs. Help them to correct their sinful ways and God, please help me to correct mine. Show me how to love them as you first love me. Oh man, I, I hope that you and I can do that because if, if we could show the world this kind of love, I, I don't know if they'd know what to do with it. Back in the summer of 2020, uh, I saw an example of this and I'm not sure if I'll ever forget it. You know, the summer of 2020 was when racial tension and, and black and blue and protests in big cities felt like they were tearing apart the very fabric of this country. In fact, right here in Appleton, Wisconsin, where I live, uh, frequent protests were held where hundreds and then up to a thousand people gathered in our downtown square. And so being naive about such social issues, I decided to go down and to listen and to try to learn. I took a picture of when I was there. I brought my daughters the first time I went that we could read the signs, talk about race and justice, the, the difficult work of policing, the, the long, ugly, toxic history of America for minorities. And I brought my kids back home and I, and I came back and I got here, really close to the stage where the organizers were holding the rally. There was definite tension in the air. As the crowd grew and some of the signs and chants grew ugly, I noticed the, the policemen standing on the edges of the crowd, I, I imagine feeling very on edge. But then just feet from me, a young black man grabbed the microphone, a man who was leading the protest, and he turned back to his friend who was controlling the music through the sound system. He, he said, I don't care who you are. I don't care how you voted. I don't care the color of your skin. I need one cop to come up right here and to dance with us. I looked to my left. I saw these two barrel-chested white cops and they whispered to each other and they looked back at the young black man. They both smiled and they both came walking through the crowd. Despite being in this sea of emotional black and brown people, of all the protesters, of all different backgrounds, these two men danced like no one was watching. And as I stood there so close, I thought, this is what will heal us. When people who are, have been hurt are humble enough to say, hey, I want you to come dance with me. And others who have been insulted, are humble enough to step forward and say, okay. Brothers and sisters, it is easy to love your people. But it is so much more beautiful to love all people. Father in heaven, help us to do it. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, for all eternity, you were unlike us. You existed with your Father and the Holy Spirit, perfect creator and not part of this creation, and yet you came into our world to become like us, to love those who are not like you. And Lord Jesus, you didn't just love people, you loved all people. You loved Nicodemus and you loved Zacchaeus. You loved the woman at the well and, and doubting Thomas. You loved 
demon-possessed Mary Magdalene and James and John and Peter. You loved all of them, Jesus, and that's why we love you. Because it means no matter who we are, it means no matter what we've done, it means no matter where we've been or what's been done to us, that we can know for sure that we are loved by God. Thank you, Father, that when the sun came up today, it was proof that you still love us. Thank you that when the forecast has rain, it's proof that you still love us. Thank you for giving us daily reminders as this earth spins that we are loved by you. And now we pray to you, Holy Spirit, for the fruit of love. Change our hearts. Help us to let bitterness go. Help us to turn the other cheek. Help us to forgive that person for the 77th time. Help us to go the extra mile. Help us to treat them, Father, as you first treated us. When we fall short, forgive us. And when we try again, empower us. Jesus, you once said that we are the light of the world. If people could see this kind of love in a very dark time in our culture, they would notice it and they would praise you, the brilliant light of heaven. That's what we want for your glory, for our healing, and for our good. I pray this, Jesus, in your powerful name. And all God's people said, Amen. Do you find Jesus really interesting, but kind of confusing? Maybe today you sense that God is working on your hearts and giving you a new excitement about the things of the Christian faith, but you're not quite sure what to do next. If so, you're exactly the kind of person that I wrote this brand new book for called The Basics. Uh, it's not AP Bible, and it's not going to answer every question you have about Christianity, but it's going to get you back to the basics of why Jesus is worth following today and for the rest of your life. If you're interested, just go to timeofgrace.org to download your free copy. To all of you who are hurting, who feel lost, who are struggling because life is messy and people are messy and sometimes you are messy, you're left worrying and wandering and wondering, is life supposed to be this hard? But I need to ask, do you know who can help you? Who can help you right now? To all of you who have made mistakes, big mistakes that you so regret, mistakes that really hurt the people you really care about, and those little mistakes that gnaw at you, mistakes that no one knows about but you, you didn't mean to, but you did, and they leave you wondering, will they ever forgive you? Can you ever forgive yourself? I have to ask, do you know who can help you? Who can help you right now? To those of you who are doing okay, you're pretty content because life is good and yet you still have this ache, this question inside of you. Is this all that there is? Is this the purpose of my life? Why do I feel like there should be more? And what happens when I die? Do you know who can help you? Who can help you right now? Whether you are experiencing the highest of highs or feel like you've hit rock bottom, we at Time of Grace are here to remind you of one thing, that the person who can help you through it, the one who always has a purpose, the God who is full of forgiveness and grace and mercy. He is not far away. He is right here. God is here. Because of the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, this God that you need, who can get you through anything and help you with everything, he is not somewhere far away. He's not waiting for you at the finish line. That God is right here. Walk with us. We at Time of Grace are here to help you on your spiritual journey, to remind you that the one you need is right by your side.
Help us connect more people to God with our $130,000 challenge grant. Some amazing friends have offered this generous grant, meaning your gift today will go twice as far to reach even more people with God's love. To thank you for your gift towards our $130,000 challenge grant, we want to send you the God's Grace for Your Daily Life Planner. This undated planner is all about letting God, and not the world, set the pace for your daily life. Request yours when you give to our $130,000 challenge grant by visiting timeofgrace.org or writing us at P.O. Box 301, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53201. Time of Grace doesn't end here. Visit timeofgrace.org and explore encouraging resources or sign up for our daily email and have everything delivered right to your inbox. Like our Grace Moments devotions, Grace Talks devotional videos, blog, and podcasts. Follow us on social media where you'll find a supportive Christian community. If you need prayer, give us a call and let us know what's on your heart. Thank you so much for your support. See you next week on Time of Grace. The preceding program was sponsored by the friends and partners of Time of Grace.